This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code SNELL at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. It's not brain science. It's rocket surgery. This is Zardoz. Zardoz. The incomparable number two hundred fifty, June twenty fifteen. Welcome back to the Incomparables Rocket Surgery, where we take a look at a movie with questionable morals from a various uh, one of the various decades <laughs> of uh, history, and it's the seventies this time, and it's John Borman's. Uh, he wrote it. He directed it. He produced it. Uh, it's Zardoz. Keep in mind that in the context of the 70s, there is no such thing as questionable morals. Yeah, that, that, well, we'll get to that. Um, no, you mean it's all such things are questionable <laughs> morals. <laughs> this, I could not think of a sev- more 70s movie than this. Uh, joining me to discuss Zardoz, uh, the, 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 the crew this time begins with uh, Steve Lutz, who you just heard. Hi, Steve. Hello there, Jason. I'm excited to discuss this film uh, wearing my red diaper. I, I, I expected no less of you. Erica Ensign, also you heard earlier. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yes, that's all I got. All right. Less excited to Catch discuss phrase. this film. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> David J. Lore, also out there. Hello. Hello. All I can say is pay no attention to the man behind the Fox logo. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Fleischman um, inexplicably has lots to say about this movie, so we invited him on. Hello, Glenn. This podcast is evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Hi, hi. Uh, Joe Rosensteel is out there. Hi, Joe. Hi, just enjoying some green bread over here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, first time on The Incomparable, although she's been on Random Trek before, uh, and we praised her book before, it's Helene Wecker. Hello. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I tattooed on a beard just for the occasion. <laughs> yes, uh, tattoo. I, I was well, anyway. And, and for those of you who are not um, who are not aware, I am Jason Snell, and I am Zardoz. I have podcast two hundred forty nine episodes, and I long to die. <laughs> his disembodied well, head is bouncing around his recording studio, but death is no longer possible. I am immortal. <laughs> I present now my story, full of mystery and intrigue, rich in irony and chocolate and most hypercritical it is set deep in a ridiculous film so none of these events will ever occur be warned lest you end as i in this tale i am host by occupation and a rocket surgeon by inclination merlin man is my hero i am the puppet master say hello johnny tiger hello jason i manipulate many of the panelists and events you will see but i am invented too for your entertainment and amusement and you poor creatures who conjured you out of the ether is your smartphone in show business too all, all I can say is wow. you can't see us, but we're all doing jazz hands at you now. I think you put more thought into that little rant than uh, John Borman put into this entire two-hour movie. Oh, oh I've got to take a I had to do that. Uh, would anyone like to make an opening statement, Glenn? I have an opening <laughs> statement. <laughs> Sir, I have things to say about this film. Uh no, my opening statement is I uh, I watched it a few weeks ago, and I meant to watch it again. I have not watched it a second time except replaying it again and again and again in my mind, in the VCR that is my <laughs> mind, and uh, hopefully I actually remember the details. But, but my my takeaway from this film, since we haven't even talked about it yet, is I can't figure out whether <laughs> Borman is trying to make commentary about like the nature of feminism and the change in society as a comedy of 
what he thinks as the desexualization and demasculinization of society in the 1970s, or if he's laughing at everybody who thinks that's what's happening. That's my opening statement. I'm still I, – I don't have an answer. Maybe we'll come up with one. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I'm just the, – the one quote I found from Borman, and this sort of said it all for me. Quote, it was the 70s and I was doing a lot of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I'm not even sure what parts of the movie are about. Unquote. <laughs> Well, it ends. Wow. One of the last lines in the film is uh, as friend, the character friend is shot. He he announces success. It was all a joke. So, <laughs> yeah, I would suggest that has the, something to do with your answer. I mean, it, it reminded me of a f of of the movie Head by the Monkees, but more coherent than that. There is a head in this film. There is a yes. head. <laughs> a couple there of sure them. Sure is. Stonehead. They originally it, were it gives a few heads. Stonehead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm actually comforted by the experience of watching this movie, not because it was any good. It wasn't. Uh, not even because I liked it. I didn't. Uh, no, what, what brings me comfort is a sense of stability and continuity. The stability of knowing that Glenn is still my incomparable opposite. Oh, <laughs> I have a nemesis. <laughs> yep. Because based on everything that you've said about this movie so far, I am confident that we are still like opposing pillars of opinion. <laughs> have I been supplanted as the anti-Erica? That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Erica, I'm glad oh. you live in Canada, though, because your husband needs extensive psychiatric care after having seen this film. He was mad. <laughs> he was he was very upset with me for making him watch this film. <laughs> Uh, no, I just uh, for my part, I just found that as far as you know, Glenn, your your thought about the uh, the feminism thing, I just sort of saw it as a, an incredibly tired trope, science fiction trope that was that was tired even at the time. You know, the mm -hmm. futuristic utopian society suddenly needs this manly man to come and, <laughs> and show them the error of their ways. In this case, it happens to be a murderer and a rapist, and uh, and in this case, the utop utopian society seems to have women in a position of at least equality, if not not power and you know they they need to be to be shown how how wrong they are about the way that they have uh have have taken things and it's just it i've read a gazillion stories like that and this was a poorly done version thereof although i will say it wasn't as unentertaining as i expected it to be i'm on team erica i have not read a gazillion stories like this and i found it strangely fascinating <laughs> I had absolutely no idea what to expect from this movie when I started in on it, and that is exactly what I got. I I still have no idea what I've watched, and I've watched it twice. It's so literal. That's why I wonder. It's so literal. If it's really literal, this is the same man who made Deliverance. He made the incredibly odd Excalibur, It's which is not that Excalibur has levels of depth. I'm not suggesting that. But um, it's, it's so weird – in its literalness that I feel like it is almost a joke that if you take it seriously as a tired trope that he's actually totally won and the framing mechanism is part of that. But I think I'm giving him too much credit too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He was he was doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. It seemed like an art film made by the weird guy in film class who just sits in the back and mutters to himself and stares creepily at the ladies. That's <laughs> what yeah, I this, this is what happens when you as a director and writer are given too much rope because a surprising number of people wanted to see Ned Beatty squeal like a pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he got he got to do whatever he wanted, and what he wanted to do was make Lord of the Rings. And oh. and someone wisely said, no, 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 no. So he went and did this instead. I wish somebody would have said no to this, too. That's the problem mm. when you get the same guy writing, producing, and directing. You don't have somebody to say those no's. Well, also, it was the 70s. So there was nobody there to say no. That's true. 
I, I don't know enough about the history of, of, you know, the trope, but Eric, I had that, that same um, response of this must have been tired even then. That that feeling of, you know, it, it, I don't know. I have I have a very weird soft spot for this movie because I first saw it when I was an incredibly impressionable 19-year-old. And it was the first thing like this I had ever ever seen because I had a pretty sheltered suburban life growing up and all the movies I saw were with my parents and they would never have seen anything like this in front of me at least. So, you know, here I was in a college basement with my boyfriend and a bunch of other people and with my jaw on the floor just watching this. <laughs> so it was it was a very weird sort of education in, you know, 70s woo-woo sci-fi. Um, and, and, you know... It, and it actually held up in some respects better this time than I was expecting it to because I hadn't seen it since I was 19. But yeah, that's sort of like, oh, God, is this all he's going to say? Like, <laughs> you know, put, putting aside all like, you know, just, OK, here, here, the rapist is the hero. I mean, I mean, talk about, I mean, big flashing nope, nope, nope sign. Mm -hmm. But but the it's like I wanted I wanted a, you know, a little more depth that wasn't just like okay obviously he's just doing more and more drugs through the movie until the end is is like you know just just complete performance art but anyway that might be getting ahead of ourselves it, it, it did it did feel I, I had uh, a couple of thoughts one is uh, it did feel like he was like you know that last scene in 2001 what if we had a lot of scenes like that <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually make reference to 2001 in the poster for this film too mm -hmm. and, and the, I think the copy on that poster is something along the lines of you had no idea what happened in these three movies and you'll really have no idea what happens <laughs> in this movie Oh, yeah, the trailer is brilliant because it's, you know, beyond 2001, yeah, beyond, mm. yeah, and then beyond life, beyond death, Zardoz, Zardoz. Yeah, well, if, you're, if you're chasing oh. the 2001 dragon, this is a pretty good follow-up. Well, but the more obvious one is uh, is the time machine, right? Which I just looked up. It came mm -hmm. out in 1960, the version I'm thinking of with Rod Taylor. Mm -hmm. so the George, George Powell and, movie. Yeah. So you could say the trope goes back to, you know, the 18, what is it, 80s or something when the book, was, the original was written where you have uh, uh, sort of androgynous uh, – uh, not when this case not very bright. They have don't have to retain the Eloy don't have to retain any intelligence. There are the Morlocks working for them on their behalf, toiling for them, and then they eat some of them from time to time. So the relationship is a little different, but it's still uh, it's still the same kind of mechanism. And the 1960 movie was pretty literal. The other uh, Kubrick movie I wanted to mention, and this goes back to Helene and Erica talking about the yes, our hero he is a mur mul <laughs> murderer rapist, um, but he's our hero uh, is a Clockwork Orange. It also uh, in addition to two. Yeah. One, it reminded me a lot of A Clockwork Orange, which is like shocking violence, but it's commentary, but it's shocking violence, but it's commentary. A little bit of that uh, vibe in, in here, too. I Although think. the violence here is relatively muted. It I is. Mean, you, don't, mm -hmm. you don't see a lot of it up close and personal. Yeah. Both movies end with uh, Beethoven also. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what an interesting di directorial career, though. I mean, I, I think Deliverance and Excalibur are both generally considered good to great by a lot of people. But then he also did this, and he followed this up with Exorcist II, The Heretic, which is probably oh, the worst <laughs> horror movie sequel of all time. <laughs> and that's saying something. That's saying a lot. Wow. That's a high bar. A lot. Um, I, I was going to walk through the movie. As, I was going to say plot. That's str a strong word for it. Um, and, and let you stop me at any point. Um, are, are we ready to do that now? Because I can do that now. Maybe trip through it is better than walk. You know, I, I got to disagree with the, the strong word for plot. I mean, the plot makes a lot of sense up until about 
uh, an hour and 15 Two minutes. Two-thirds of the way. Yes. I guess what I could say is I walk through the scenes, and that may be a strong yes. word for it. Okay. Some <laughs> of the scenes are like, I'm not sure what happens here. Set pieces. There's a, there's a lot of that. So there's going to be, when usually when I walk through this, there's I'll skip over something, and Steve will say, wait, 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 Jason, you missed. <laughs> That's going to happen a lot, I think. That may oh. happen a lot. I so, don't know. I, so we start, of course, with the with the uh, cheesy narra- narration that I just reprised at yes. the top of this show. Follow um, the bouncing head of Arthur Frayne. I had a, I had a note that said that, that um, we were talking about how, how high the director was. I, there were probably a lot of uh, like uh, essays and, and papers written in college classes about this movie. And I'll just say it now, they should have all gotten Fs. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it begins with the Zardoz logo appearing, which um, I couldn't help but think reminds me of the Spinal Tap logo. And in yeah. fact, it, I find it an early example of marketing where they're like, let's not just put up the name in, a, in like a regular font. Let's like make a crazy like Chrome logo and use that everywhere. So we get that, the big Zardoz. Zardoz! It's got two Zs. How could it not be awesome? It's like heavy metal. We are in the year 2293, where there is a floating stone head. It flies around and floats. It gives the gift of the gun. It's like a little uh, dispenser that throws out, that like vomits out uh, guns. It's it's a giant Pez dispenser. I just love the quantity, (laughs) the ridiculous sort of, I don't even know how they shot it. It's ridiculous. It's like hundreds of guns, like more guns. Well, that's got to last him a year, right? I mean, doesn't he come back once a year for the harvest? (laughs) I actually kind of like that scene, the... The, the the angle and just like the, the all this this flood of guns just sort of pouring out in yeah. slow motion was just just it, it something about it was really compelling. It was like, oh my gosh. Like that's that's a lot of guns. I give you the gift of the gun. I like that scene up until the dialogue starts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I actually wrote in Zardoz speaks to you. Zardoz has exposition for you. <laughs> you know, and I think this film, this is the earliest somebody says penis in any of the movies we've watched <laughs> yeah. for this podcast. And that is saying something. The, the key lines being the penis is evil. Go forth and kill. I was kind of surprised. I, I really wasn't expecting it. I've been told to expect. Uh, I'm sorry. This is a broader issue, but it's. I was told this was a terrible, nearly unwatchable film, and I, 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 we can talk about whether that's true. I think it's actually a really compelling film, however terrible it is. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting the penis is evil. I didn't know it was. I had no idea that was coming. That should have been the tagline, quite frankly. (laughs) The penis is evil. Go forth and kill. I mean, you'd watch that. I got to say, I would. I would pay really good money for a Zardoz Pez dispenser if somebody wants to. Seriously, would it shoot out? Hey. A seed, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> uh, Sean, Sean Connery is there. He's got a red diaper thing on. Um, it's like diaper suspenders. suspenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the guns get tossed out from the mouth of Zardoz. Um, and then and then there's an interesting narrative thing here where Sean Connery ends up inside the, uh, inside the, the floating head. And we don't know until later why. Well, yes, he's shot us at this point, and so we pass out for a while. The credits finish (laughs) up, and then we return to Sean inside under a pile of grain. Yes. I thought that the James Bond shot was the the in 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 a number of I mean we you can I'm sure we can argue forever about what the, the worst directorial decision in this movie was but that one for me was right up there. It's only like a 90 minute show. <laughs> the worst decision was action. Yeah, no, well, the, well, the whole movie is a James Bond film. I mean, he's an he's an exterminator. 
with a license to kill. He shoots the camera right at the beginning of the movie in the prologue. Oh. He he converts the woman to to his lover. It's it's more like the prisoner with starring James Bond in a red diaper. <laughs> yeah, this is so prisonery. Oh my god! And the, the, the end is you know this massive kill spree where he escapes with the woman and then, and then goes off sex. and has sex with her. Yeah, it's a Bond film. You like the main character of the prisoner. You don't like the main no. character here. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. He's interesting. Makes all but the he's not. He's not likable. Um, in the in the in the Stonehead, uh, Sean Connery finds people in plastic bags. Yeah, there are a surprising number of shrink wrapped naked people for uh, for inside of a Stonehead. I think there's. Yeah, I. I you don't usually see that many shrink, no, shrink wrapped naked maybe, people maybe inside of Stonehead. Maybe one or two, but there's like six or seven in there. Again, again, Spinal Tap in imagery. I, I I've decided that the people who made Spinal Tap totally took lots oh. of cheesy things from Zardoz. Absolutely. And there's never a reason for the shrink wrap naked people inside <laughs> no, the head. No, as far as we true. know, you know, Mr. Mr. Sharpie Beard is the only guy who takes care <laughs> yeah. of the Outlands and suddenly he's got all these backup folks. I think that's a blue viral beard. <laughs> I don't know. It looks like a Sharpie beard to me, Glenn. Mm, yep. I got to yeah. decide with Thank Eric. You. I'm Team Erica on yeah. this one. Oh. That, that, that's a that looks like it's just pen. It could be a Sir Marks a lot. Yeah. Beard. <laughs> he's had several hundred years to perfect that thing and it still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you draw it on, it never comes off. You're immortal. That's true. It's permanent. It's permanent marker. <laughs> what were the the markers that, that the scratch and sniff markers? The it, does it smell like licorice? Yeah, I think so. But they don't know what licorice is anymore. They just think mm-hmm. it's the smell of the black pen that makes a beard. There's licorice, but it's blue. That's the drug he was on. <laughs> Hello, Eternals. I come from the Outlands, from the world of the Brutals. It is a horrible world, a world full of spam, viruses, and bounced email. And now I come here to this wonderful place where you, the Eternals, call home. It is the land of MailRoute. Here in MailRoute, you can open your email and see only the legitimate mail that you want and need to receive, thanks to the brilliant mind, the tabernacle, of MailRoute. MailRoute lives in the cloud. You don't have to install any hardware or software here in order to be free of spam viruses and bounced email. That's because in the cloud, MailRoute is receiving our mail. It's sorting it, and it's delivering only the clean email to our mailboxes. All of the terrible stuff remains in the outside world, safely available should we choose to look at it, but it doesn't come to us unless we ask. If you are using a desktop, you will find that the MailRoute user interface is simple and effective. This is a simple world we live in here. If you are an email administrator or IT professional, one of the worker class, they have built all the tools for you in mind. There is an API for easy account management. If you wonder what an API is, ask Zardoz, and Zardoz shall tell you. MailRoute supports LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging, ask Zed about mailbagging, outbound relay, Everything you would want from people handling your mail. And, my friends, you can start a risk-free trial with MailRoute. No credit card is required. You sign up. You change your MX records. Your mailbox and hardware are completely protected. There's no reason not to try it. You don't have to put down a credit card. Please, please, I implore you, friends, check it out. All listeners to this fine podcast, known as The Incomparable, can receive 10% off for the lifetime of access to MailRoute, not just for a month or a year, for as long as you're a subscriber, here is the information you need. Go to MailRoute.net slash Snell. That's MailRoute.net slash Snell now, and you will learn of the greatness of the being that lives in the cloud and protects us from awful things in our email, known as MailRoute. Now I return this podcast to you.
I will say I did approve of the continuous, odd, uh, partial nudity throughout this film. It was inexplicable <laughs> in the quantity, but also the lack of eroticism. It was, it was like, we're going to show a lot of bodies until we reach the point where you don't even notice what people are wearing because we're just showing flesh sort of randomly on different points. Well, maybe he's trying to make some sort of point there because, mm-hmm. of yes. course, the Eternals themselves have lost the ability to become aroused. This, of- this is actually a theme, and yes. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but this, oh. this, Glenn, you got, <laughs> I, I think got you got you. this one. <laughs> You've walked because- well, trap. because there's that scene where they show him all the porn, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and he does because he, they're going to get him aroused because they don't know what erections are like in the future. <laughs> you think they just draw one on with a sharpie? Yeah, <laughs> and he's not aroused, and then he looks at um about uh, what's her name Charlotte oh, Rampling. Rampling. She's got Consuela. she's got uh, Consuela. Consuela. And um and 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 I liked actually that was even I mean I subtle's not the word for it but I liked how cleverly <laughs> that is shot where he looks at her and then everybody's like Ooh, around him and all that but that is a commentary about how like just looking at it um it wasn't titillating at all. Um right. I, I I you know I think maybe that is something that inside John Borman's addled mind what he was thinking was part of <laughs> what he was trying to do with this movie Glenn and you know what I'm, I I hate to do this but I'm going to also agree with Glenn <laughs> <laughs> we all hate it, ha- every, it happens to everybody who's the puppet master now uh, on the costumes I actually I, I enjoyed the costumes not I, I agree that he was kind of going for that sort of um, not quite sexy lots of flesh sort of look but I just I really liked the designs of the costumes yeah. uh, themselves yeah because they were they were they were flattering without being titillating and they just yes. they looked very comfortable and they breathed. I was like, oh, I, I could wear those around the house. I've never seen so many men wearing so much crochet, though. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a friend who had, he had that, that red sort of open work crochet that tied in the front. And I don't, obviously, I spent too long looking at it if I can remember exactly <laughs> <laughs> what it looked like. But it was, I just kept looking at it like, my grandma would make that. Everyone else looked fantastic. Yeah. For some reason, it just didn't work on him. Crochet is for potted plants, dude. <laughs> there's also the thing that everybody, you know, he's trying to show this sort of the fact that everyone, there's no eroticism left and people can't get aroused and procreation is dead and they're all getting bored. Everyone is super androgynous as if that's a bad thing. Like in this world, androgyny means like, oh, like the women and the men all sort of look alike and they dress alike and it's all been sort of desexualized to this sort of middle ground that's terrible. And his, you know, and you need a guy with, you know, extra chest hair. He doesn't have the, uh, the Star Trek uh, Wrath of Khan chest plate on because he doesn't need it. You know, he's got his own chest hair. Well, the chest hair means it wouldn't stick. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And there's also the use of nudity in set dressing, which was uh, especially disturbing. Mm. Um, <laughs> there's that one shot of that of that statue that's like, hey, I mean, the, the shot is literally like, hey, guys, did you notice that this statue has a penis on it? Because <laughs> you should check that out for a long time. Is that what you meant, Joe? I mean, that was my example. Where- oh, I, w- I was talking about the uh, uh, weird glass room with the water. Oh yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah that that, what that was. What was that? I don't know. It was wonderfully disturbing. They're growing uh, the dead people back at that. Yeah, because there was that's a baby the tabernacle there. growing uh, the people back. That's where Arthur Frayne reappears after he's fallen out of the stone head, which right. hasn't happened yet in our narrative. And no, no, because he's well, he's shot by by uh, Sean Connery and falls out of the stone head. So there we go. There, we're there. 
<laughs> Arthur Frayne appears and mumbles things and is shot and is dead. Except he'll be back. He was shot in the arm. He didn't have to fall out. That was the part. <laughs> he didn't have to fall out of the mouth. He does have the very prescient line here. How pointless. How pointless. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, at, at which point, point uh, Sean Connery takes a ride in a stone head back to uh, an English uh, country village. As you that do. is full of uh, inflatable plastic bubbles. Uh, lots of plastic bags. We got more. So we got more inflatable bubbles and more plastic bags full of stuff. In this case, plants and things. Everything in the 70s came wrapped in plastic. There, um, well, pretty much everything that was being passed around in the uh, the staff room and on the set was wrapped in plastic as well. So there's kind of a theme there, too. <laughs> That's where he got the idea, probably. This is one of those places where I'm not quite sure what happens next. The next thing that I wrote down is where he there's that scene where there's he like investigates Jack in the Box mm-hmm. And and there the are a Jack in the Box scene from Elf. And there's a bunch of clocks. He, except he wants to shoot. I'm glad he didn't shoot the Jack in the Box. Actually, That's I wish he had shot the Jack in the Box. Oh, he had his fitting schedule for the Apple Watch, and he had to go upstairs <laughs> and put it on, and then, you know, it gave the holographic He keeps display. doing the thing where the, the Apple Watch, like, shoots the projection everywhere, and he keeps covering it and grunting yeah, at it. Yeah, to mute it. And, and, yeah. and the whole time, all I, every time I see that... All I think is, oh, wise guy, eh? And because he keeps <laughs> doing it over and over. And it's like, hear it? No, no, you're still there. Yeah, he, hey, you he's like never that? seen, oh. he's a savage. He's never seen a hologram ring before. One of the themes well, of this film, if we can call it that, is, mm. is sort of the evolution of mankind <laughs> and what comes next after Homo sapiens. And uh, I think here's where it introduces, he walks into the room and it sort of cleverly introduces that idea when he walks past, for some reason, Arthur Frayne has painted on his wall, uh, you know, the Neanderthal and then Homo sapiens. And then there's the eternal and then there's a big question mark. You know, I'm actually surprised there aren't neon lights flashing around it, but. (laughs) Kind of drawing of Sean Connery. Uh, there's so like I said, there's a, this is an English manor house. It did remind me a little bit of the prisoner. There are all lots of plastic bubbles and a pyramid. The prisoner has plastic bubbles too. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lake. Um, he sees a woman. Uh, he tries to shoot her because that's which is actually strange because shouldn't he try to rape her because that's sort of his job with women. He shoots the men and rapes the women. Anyway, um, he feels pain and throws his gun into the water. No, my good, that was my good gun. And uh, explains that uh, she asked if he thinks he's uh, he's dead and. Uh, and then there's a group of uh, – that's a weird scene. And then they're all debating the brutal, which we learn is what the name is for the people outside. Uh, the brutal. And we meet our, uh, our our women from the village, including Consuela, who, uh, speaking of Lord of the Rings, uh, reminded me of uh, – it's Charlotte Rampling. Reminded me a lot of Kate Blanchett, actually. Mm-hmm. 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 I will point out at this moment, too, that uh, Charlotte Rampling, I believe, is the only person beh- besides Sean Connery who survived this film. Well, uh, no, maybe. no, 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 oh. I'm sorry. The actor. Oh, the actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She's good. She's good. She I enjoy great. her in this. Mm-hmm. She's actually very good. In this. She is very good. And she went on to be in everything. I would say that the acting in this film, considering everything else about the film, is actually pretty solid. Oh, yeah. Even even yeah. Arthur Freen is, you know, it's it's a choice, but he does it well. I will mm-hmm. go to the vortex. You're hurting me. This is a very strange, this is, so we're learning, we got a download of all the weird terminology, weird 70s sci-fi film terminology, and uh, in that way, it felt, it felt kind of at home to me, because I've seen a bunch of these movies, and they're, they're all kind of spacey like this, where they're like, uh, it's just a little, uh, you take sci-fi tropes, and then you add some hippie stuff, and you say, woo, now it's cool, cool cutting edge sci-fi stuff, <laughs> for about four years, and then it's dated. 
Um, so lots of things about the Vortex, Vortex 4, they're in the Vortex. I'm never clear on this terminology as the movie goes along and how it actually makes any sense. Um, but we get to learn about uh, what Sean Connery's job is, which is um, they're the chosen. So they're they're the only ones who are supposed to pass on their genetic material. So they rape the women, they kill all the men. Um, and uh, Arthur, we learn about Arthur Frayne, our, our friend with the Sharpie. Uh, facial hair in the beginning he was the only one who wanted to run the outlands he's an artist he does it with imagination he's like doug henning (laughs) (laughs) doug henning had better hair oh magic and fascination and fantasy zardoz instructs me to break into the broadcast right now and tell you about something very important and i obey zardoz Um, i would like to tell you about loot crate if you classify yourself as a geek gamer pop culture nerd you're listening to the incomparable i think maybe you are loot crate is the subscription box service for you for less than twenty dollars a month you'll get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear apparel collectibles unique one-of-a-kind items and much more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash Snell and enter code Snell, my last name, to save $3 on any new subscription. Every month there's a different theme. You're guaranteed $40 or more worth of items. That's right, less than $20 a month, $40 or more worth of items. They're all curated around a specific theme inspired by classic movies, video game releases, Pulling from pop culture franchises, previous crates have included franchises like Star Wars, Marvel, The Walking Dead, Legend of Zelda, and many more. This month's loot crate involves joining the cyber revolution. Maybe Zardoz will be involved. Uh, An assortment of cool tech-themed collectibles from a wide array of awesome franchises. Awesome franchises, so not Zardoz. They're featuring exclusive items from Terminator Genesis, Borderlands 2, and much more, including an exclusive t-shirt you won't find anywhere else. That's why it's exclusive. Loot Crate is a friend. They know what you love. They surprise you with awesome presents every month, and they ship to over 13 different countries. You have until the 19th of any given month at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate. Once that cutoff happens, that's it. It's over, so don't delay. Go to LootCrate.com Snell and enter code Snell to save three dollars on your new subscription today and thank you to loot crate for sponsoring the incomparable it's an amazing how even though this is hundreds of years in the future there apparently is a, a maybe a mine or something that they go to to create the world's endless supply of sort of business casual wear without ties <laughs> yeah. the men are running in these ta- tailor-made suits that are frayed but apparently they've endless supply of them one of my notes is that um and i actually think this is a, a, a clever thing is that sean connery and his guys are like sort of like bare-chested wearing their diaper things but um the people that they're menacing are all wearing like frayed like blazers and button-up shirts and things like that like they're and living in the ruins of recognizable sort of like suburbs or cities so i think that's fascinating like you get the sense initially that these are like outlaws in the countryside and then but the people that they're harassing are like just the regular old survivors of this catastrophe um who we see later there's also that scene where they they flash back to right after they set up the the shield and they're all like banging on the outside of the shield at the at the rich and powerful and sciency who have gone inside this little bubble who are just like ignoring them and uh doing their stuff and i i liked that i liked i liked that that aspect of it that it wasn't all just like total chaos outside the bubble they were like you get the impression that maybe there are people who are kind of living a hard life but living a life and and then that makes the the um 
the the Sean Connery and his guys uh, even worse because the, these are like you know then they're just randomly shooting all of those people. Well, I'm trying to figure out how many people there are on the planet because uh, there's apparently a lot of them. They all have access to suits and clothing, and uh, but there's enough that they can be killed randomly and constantly with the thousands of guns that Zardos belches forth, uh, and yet. Uh, not enough to escape or form any kind of opposition to men hmm. with guns. I don't know. It's metaphor. I guess. You can't equate their feelings with ours, Glenn. That's true. <laughs> well, with regard to the the uh, the refreshing um, clothing within the Vortex, I, I think they, they're pretty self-sufficient inside the Vortex. I mean, they're capable of... Uh, uh, they were previously capable of growing all their own food, but because of the uh, the apathy disease that's spreading, they have to. I can't believe I spent this much time thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't have enough people to uh, to continue to work to feed the apathetic. So that that's when they have to. Uh, they get the have, grain. That that's when they have to get the uh, the exterminators the, to get the other brutals to grow food for them. Uh, which is what sets Connery over the edge eventually. But so presumably they're they're able. They they normally eat meat, and so they 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 must have wool. Yeah, and surely. well, and they all work, right? That's one of the things that uh, that that a friend complains about is like right. I'm tired of working. I've been working for hundreds of years, feeding myself and serving my right. I mean, so they 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 are not. You know, they don't have uh, a slave class inside the bubble. It seems they're like a hippie commune kind of place, right? In fact, they're ticked off at him for getting uh, Sean Connery to serve the soup or the yes. potatoes. Potatoes. Mm-hmm. Potatoes. Potato. Potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> um, oh, I like the line, again, really, really on the nose, which is, you know that saying, if looks could kill? Well, no, it's been hundreds, hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. We don't have sayings on the outside anymore. Well, it's a saying, and here they can, huh? huh? <laughs> it's a little too, little too much. Well, here they can. Because that's like psychic power. Is a, is okay. Got it. Got it. I did like the bit where they're doing the mental imagery. They're recovering it from Sean Connery, and uh, and then they like, oh well, let's see what Arthur Frame was thinking. And uh, we find out it's called the Tabernacle. I don't think we find out at this point that it's called that. Their their computer pulls up Arthur Frame. Apparently, they're constantly. It's like uh, it's like Netflix without Comcast interruption. It's constantly streaming <laughs> images from our brains so that we can be reconstructed later in this in this glorious future. And uh, and it's just Arthur his point of view falling from the head. It's really lovely, actually. But it's not. Not his point yeah, of he view. Sees he, he sees himself. He? Yeah. Oh, so it's like his self-image of so himself. Isn't it's it? just right? like Sean Connery can see himself while he's you know shooting people and, and raping women. Oh, so it's the it's, mind's eye as opposed to like actual point of view. Yeah, or lazy directing. It could just be lazy directing. <laughs> Here we also have so um, in this section uh, we've got the oversized clock. That he holds, and they go, oh, the monkey doesn't know how to tell time. There's the pyramid that's got the mirror. We have the guy saying saying actual words, but they've dubbed him in to make him sound like he's saying nonsense. What was that about? They never and explained. And they all clap. Yeah. It's the future. It's like, that's like their secret language or something. Yeah, yeah. They, they do a, a scene later where they're all saying like, but in this case, I get the feeling that he's reciting some sort of poem he's constructed because everybody applauds afterwards. Yeah, but they dub it all out and replace it with the nonsense. Which oh, is I thought just... that was actually clever. I did too. I thought it was clever. I didn't think that was clever. Yeah, I have a one word explanation for that and it's drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I also well I had a note down that was uh, that the, the in this section of the movie it reminded me of uh, a Terry Gilliam movie but the bad <laughs> the bad kind not the good kind oh so Jabberwocky I, the bad kind. I, I have in my notes Monty Python's Brave New World yeah it's a little like that too it's a little Monty Python esque yeah somewhere in there um, oh Brave New World the TV version of Brave New World has mm-hmm. it, the, ah that was truly truly awful 
Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah. So the um, the uh, old we meet the old people who are who are the monsters. <laughs> the old people are monsters in this world. It's the walking old. <laughs> I think it's interesting uh, just to go back just a little bit. Yep. See, I told you it would happen. <laughs> <laughs> that when the Eternals learn that Arthur has been apparently selectively breeding the chosen ones to do some sort of, you know, a personal eugenics project for his own enjoyment, they just kind of, you know, oh, okay, well, he's he's been up to that. <laughs> we're that's nice, he's we're these enlightened busy. people, and I guess, it's you know, Arthur. well, that's sort of entertaining. I think they just don't care about what happens in the in the Outlands. Like they said, he's the only one who, he's got a, you know, he's the only one who would take it on. And you get the sense, maybe he said, all right, well, I get to do whatever I get to do out there, right? And they're like, yeah, whatever. He's an artist. And yet when Zed arrives from the Outlands, they're intensely interested in what's been going on out there. So that doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. It's because he's come to them. But I'm thinking it's like, you know, some people in that culture are making macrame men's vests. And other, pe- <laughs> and other people are, oh, he's got art. He's got a hobby. Eugenics. Yeah. Isn't that cute? Nice Every kid needs mm-hmm. a hobby. It's it's not macrame hemp, but you know it'll do. It's just like let's put him in charge of the Outlands to keep him busy, so we won't have to deal with him <laughs> so, and his stupid magic tricks and his bubbles and his pace his painted on beard. On the way, I, I should say when they go to see the old people who are monsters, he drags he drags friend around in a cart, like he just pulls him, <laughs> like he's the horse. I'm not dead yet. I appreciated that he didn't object to any of this. The that I was expecting sort of like rebellion rebellion yeah and he isn't he just sort of picks up the cart and goes and he you know follows friend around and serves potatoes and and that (laughs) that was sort of interesting and it wasn't until i mean later in the film you see what his motivations are and and that you know he's actually got a plan and whatever but at that point, I was like, well, he's, this is, he, he's used to being enthralled to something. He's used to being enthralled to a god. So this must just be him, like, you know, just sort of continuing in that mold, which was interesting. It was an interesting choice, I felt. It, it, it seemed to, oh, I don't know, be a lot less tiring than, than if it had been constant, no, you, you know, you animal, you drag me around. No, I don't want to. No, you do it, you know, thwack and just felt better than that. I agree. Uh, but they, they did um, also threaten to kill him um, oh, that's several true. times. <laughs> yeah. So he probably didn't want to provoke them. Um, but, but yeah, he, I agree. He did lick that one guy. <laughs> it was so strange. <laughs> I'd like to put in a word for friend, too. I thought the, the actor, both the acting and the part, was one of the more interesting things. He's like one of the more interesting characters in the movie because he was smart of a smartass. And he um, didn't take mm. the society that seriously. He was also doing all the exposition. And, uh, and I, I think he was actually the most consistently interesting, uh, you know, non-serious character in the whole thing. I, I agree because he's uh, subversive. Um, mm-hmm. He's not actually a part of the society that's unfolding around us he's right. he's mocking it um but uh doesn't doesn't go far enough mocking it uh i don't think no he does it, when he when he gets old later he's like old on half his face yeah isn't that weird like everybody else gets old old and he he gets like the half mccartney treatment yeah. <laughs> oh. that makeup actually looked pretty decent though i think that was one of the yeah. better effects there yeah maybe they're like we we know it's not gonna work for a full face so we'll just do uh half <laughs> <laughs> it'll seem suitably convincing. They just didn't explain it at all. <laughs> no. We we were going to make you five years older. Instead, we made half of you ten years older. <laughs> 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 this is where we get. So he meets the uh, he meets the apathetics, the 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 zombie girls who are uh, who are uh, 
just kind of like staring into space and uh and uh friends like yeah sure take one random fondling <laughs> and he goes well yeah well he yeah because he looks at him and he sticks his hand under under her dress which is not hard because it's like open and easy access and then he like takes her inside like throws her in a in a haystack and and uh she's completely dead to the world and so he he's like oh that's not cool um you know i, I guess he Sorry, I'm going to say something terrible. He I guess he, he like he he likes as a rapist. He you know he expects resistance. I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the theme of awful. violence, though. Like that's awful, <laughs> yep. but it's also is that thing is like he's just almost disgusted by them because they don't well, put up a resistance. Okay, so yeah. Zed, Zed is an interesting character because what, what we get is he's a monster and he's a, he's a creation of this of of this. Uh, totally distorted society that I cannot believe I am taking it this seriously uh, that, that is created by, by Zardoz. Falling into the trap. But, um, but uh, it is, but it's also kind of a trick, right? It turns out that as we're going to get to in the plot here, but it turns out he's actually uh, been genetically engineered to be incredibly like smart and a quick learner and has read all the books and, and later he'll learn even more things throughout osmosis. Um, I think you mean through projection, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it so there, there's more there. He's an interesting character in that way where there's like he's awful based on the events we see. But there's also this other side of him that we don't really realize yet at this point. I'm not sure they are completely connectable at all, but there it is. Um, this is where they this is where they don't they, they explain that they don't understand directions in the future. Show him porn. And then they say Consuela's done the trick herself <laughs> in one of their fine levels of hedonism bot kind of. Uh, yes. Yeah. We attend a short seminar that is titled "The Mysteries of the Boner." <laughs> oh, we, we've uh, we also in the, in the part where uh, friend and um, and Zed are traveling around on the cart, we get the trial of George Saden, which is uh. sort of interesting, where we see what happens to those who put out a negative aura mm. during second level uh, meditation, which is replace sleep in in this commune, right. Yeah, they they uh, and they have votes. It's like all done over the internet through their uh, little uh, little hollow rings, and they just do their little uh, they do their votes. I, at one point, I have in my notes, blah blah blah, votes boring, but the, the, his trial is a little more a little more interesting the, the, for a dissident to see what happens to the dissident, and, and we learn that friend it likes somebody who's stirring the pot and making trouble. Because at least it's interesting. Yeah, because they're bored. They're I mean, this is a decayed society because they've been you know not aging for hundreds of years and people are getting apathetic and dropping out or yeah there's just it's a it's just this decadent decaying society this perfect solution for the advancement of humanity yeah surprise surprise they're actually static and they, and somebody from the outside needs to come in and shake them up this is this is the we've seen this story before kind of thing right mm-hmm. erica and helene yeah mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> <laughs> didn't take long a lot of immortals take millions of years to get this board. Yeah, these couple guys hundred got years. bored in like 200 years right well they're new immortals remember they oh. this is the first generation of the immortals and apparently right. they got That's true. so bored that there's not going to be a second one. The um, and well, and there 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 can't be because they, right. yeah, they're so they're just so bored. Not Another really. movie this reminded me of is Sleeper. This is like the serious, no jokes version of Sleeper Woody, by Woody <laughs> Allen. <laughs> he saw Sleeper and said, "What you know what would improve that film? Remove the humor. Mm-hmm. Just get rid of the humor. Yeah, more boobs and uh, and less humor. <laughs> boobs, less humor. <laughs> John John Borman. He wrote that down on a cocktail <laughs> napkin at one point. 
and uh, it became I think it was an LSD blotter. He had actually, it framed yeah. later. Um, let's see what in this section they so they explain the thing about sleeping and how the meditation has replaced sleeping. Um, there, there is at this point in the film suddenly some narration. That kind of comes out of nowhere, like they didn't know what was happening, so they just dropped in some narration. Apparently this tested poorly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's, it's actually explaining uh, part of the plot of Blade Runner right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time for a break in the action for me to tell you about one of our sponsors. It's Squarespace. You know, I've uh, been building websites on and off since the very beginning of the web. The first website I built was built in uh, the uh, email program Eudora's text editor, terrible place to build a website and then uploaded to a uh, server that served out pages via ftp we didn't even have a, a proper web server to do it uh, we've come a long way the incomparables website for good or ill was built by me by hand uh using various tools the tools have gotten a lot better but here's the thing i had in order to build that site i had to use css and and html and javascript and i had it was an incredibly complicated process involving design and uh lots of custom stuff Here's the beauty of how far we've come is Squarespace means you don't need to know CSS and HTML and JavaScript. You don't need to be a graphic designer. You know, don't need to be uh, an architect of information and user experience. And that's because Squarespace provides you beautiful templates um, that are responsive, which means they look great on uh, big screens like uh, laptops and desktop computers, as well as small screens like iPads and smartphones. And take it from me, I had to do some of that by hand on the Incomparable site. And it's hard. And, and I, it took me a lot to learn how to do that. You don't have to learn this stuff. With Squarespace, your site will look professionally designed. You don't have to have any skill in this area. The tools are easy to use. They're state-of-the-art technology powering your site. So your site's going to stay secure. It's going to be stable. It's going to stay up. When somebody finds you and is like, oh my god, everybody check out this site. It'll stay up. It'll stay running. It's not going to crash. It's trusted by millions of people. And Squarespace hosts some of the most respected brands in the world. And the price is kind of unbelievable. I have to say, I kind of can't believe that for $8 a month, that's what it takes to start a Squarespace account. And if you up for an entire year, you pay for the first year, you'll get a free domain registration on top of that. It's really an amazing deal. So start your free trial site today. You don't have to put down a credit card. There's nothing squirrely about the signup. You actually get to just put in some information and start building your site. And then after the trial is over, you can make a decision, give them their cre your credit card. When you do that, use this offer code, Snell, my last name, and you'll get 10% off of your first purchase at Squarespace. So uh, if you're building a website, you owe it to yourself, check out Squarespace. Super easy. You don't have to become an expert in website design and site building and technical stuff to build a beautiful modern website. So thank you to Squarespace for sponsoring The Incomparable. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Part of the problem with this movie is that he has so many weird ideas that he wants to stuff in here, like oh, yeah. way, way too yeah. many for a film of this length. And that is why roughly two thirds of the film is taken up with telepathy exposition theater, you know, where we <laughs> look into somebody's mind and see something that happened earlier or, you know, for some reason, somebody needs to know exactly how it was that the, uh, the, the vortexes came about. And I mean, a, a huge chunk of the movie is taken up with that. And I think it kind of, if there was, if there was flow to be broken up, yeah, uh, that, that definitely does it. Yeah. It, this movie doesn't need any of that talk about like the vortexes and all of that kind of, I feel like 
you know, again, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I feel like if, if somebody had rewritten this script to have it be a little more down to earth, uh, a little more just sort of like recognizable of the characters and not as much weird terminology, I kind of felt like there might have been an interesting movie here, but it is such a god awful mess and, and sometimes fascinatingly a mess, but it is just a, it's just a mess. And uh, yeah. And I think it goes back to writer, director, producer, right? He can do whatever. John. Nobody said no. Here's a million dollars. No, the, the the way it looks on this particular set, I get the impression that everyone was kind of in. You know, this this seems cool, man. <laughs> I can see Far it being like out. a long, multi month party. Was it really a million dollars? Because it looks like maybe twenty thousand. One point <laughs> five seven million dollars. Really? Is that really, really all they spent on this? Stone head to float around. Yeah, that cost yeah I gotta say far, they, yeah. they did. They made that go a long way when you consider that Ice Pirates was like eleven million. <laughs> well, and you got to think Connery cost a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually mm-hmm. thought the mise en scene of this film was good, though. It was actually, uh, it was so sort of both natural and weird. Besides the giant floating head, oh, that yeah. um, it kind of made a lot of sense. And and he, oh, totally. And and but it it didn't look like a high budget film to me for exactly that reason. And and he, I, I wonder if if some of the stuff with like that they're. You know, half of it is watching people make their own bread and 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 sew yeah. bed sheets to have encounters under and that sort of thing. It was just to he went for like the low tech British village with weird plastic inflated bags everywhere because it was an interesting juxtaposition that also didn't spend. You know, it to make it look futuristic would have just blown the budget entirely. So, you know, he ended up, I don't know, it just felt to me like the sort of like constraint that produces something interesting. It it looked to me a lot like a middle of the road 70s porn, like just like (laughs) the film stock, the the setting. It was very much. There's very little Wawa pedal, though, in the soundtrack. (laughs) It was missing that. The Prisoner prisoner TV series that was shot in like a Spanish village, I think, that was had a very interesting look that made it look um, slightly unreal, even though it was completely real because it was so stark. And the Prisoner show got you completely off balance because the environment was both sort of normal and peculiar to our eye. So mm-hmm. it was, it was filmed in Wales, actually. Was it Wales? I thought it was a Spanish yes. village. Nope. Port Marion in Wales. Oh. Yeah. It's a weird resort. It's very cool. This is the point where Zed, uh, discovers through via a floating book that is actually held by Zardoz, but he's invisible or something that, uh, he learns about books and learns to read and discovers the secret, which is that Zardoz is just uh, a story taken from the Wizard of Oz. Mm. Oz. Oh, the Wizard Zardoz. of Oz. Oh, Zardoz. plot twist. Mind blown. <laughs> killed me when that came up because I didn't see it coming. This scene puzzled me because he's May is interrogating him to get this information and he doesn't want to tell her. And it, it it's confusing because why doesn't he want to tell? I mean, it's not. It does. Why does this part matter? Um, it, it just sort of drags for a really long time for this interrogation. Well, he's owning up to the fact that he's there to destroy their society at this point. So I would say it kind of does matter. Well, I think he also feels a little like like ashamed and, and embarrassed at having been taken in by the by the giant floating godhead that was actually just like the man behind the curtain. That was that was my sort of read on it. But yeah, he's embarrassed. I never learned to read until Zardoz taught me. <laughs> I lost my innocence. <laughs> 
to the library. You know, there is there is a certain amount of parallel to Wizard of Oz with, you know, being transported to another oh, yeah. place. There's the mm-hmm. cyclone that takes Arthur Frayne away in the beginning. There's, you know, the 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 manor house is kind of like the Emerald City. And and then he discovers the, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <gasps> They're making right? emerald bread. The bread is gold. Oh. The bed. Yeah. <laughs> it all ties together. It all ties together. Emerald bread. What? It all makes sense. Come on. Yeah, we're going to have to stop talking pretty soon or we're going to all like this movie and I can't allow oh, that no. to happen. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I cannot allow that to happen. That's the magic of the film, Jason. There's something there. You've got to admit it. <laughs> he gets he gets caught uh, and, and yet uh, showing his perhaps mutant uh, power, he sort of escapes Consuela's power a little bit, but is blinded. But then they put like eye drops in him or something. And his did we miss we miss back. where friend gets? Uh, oh no, did we talk about that? Where friend gets senile?d Yeah, we did. We skipped that over. I think yeah. he didn't want to go to level two, man. It was the most ridiculous <laughs> thing that. Did I, oh, no! it, just skip that out because that's the whole thing where they give him like the the weird it, vibes it and jazz hands. It's, it's like they they took a, transported the cast of Godspell from several traveling companies into one room. <laughs> And they had the parachutes, but it was just his, his, no, I don't no. want to go to second level. <laughs> I looked up Roger Ebert's review and, and the last line of the review, it's brilliant. He says, Zardoz is a movie that will certainly age you two hours. <laughs> <laughs> that scene with the, with the jazz hands and stuff, actually, it, it kind of, at the very beginning when we had the floating head and the crazy monologue, I, I just turned to Stephen and I said, is this community theater? And then <laughs> when this scene came along with jazz hands, I turned back to Stephen and said, this is community theater. <laughs> so you're the Christ. You're the great Jesus Christ. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the second level. Oh, although no. that's his rebellion, right? That he, He's saying, I'm tired of you people. What are you going to do to me? And the answer is we're going to age you on half of your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they actually kill him here, which is, which is, which is well, interesting. He appears yeah. to die. At that point, yes. and I assume that he's well, later reconstructed in the tabernacle yeah. as half old. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's it. Or, or do they repair him or whatever? I'm, I was unclear on whether they always just die or whether they fix them and all that. But you're right. Maybe so. Maybe they reconstitute him and he's just sort of halfway broken. I just thought he passed out. I, I think I think you're you're giving it continuity that it doesn't deserve. You you, you, you make a strong <laughs> argument. That's, that's, that's. Well, he's mentioned earlier that he's killed himself on on several occasions, and right. the tabernacle just reconstructs him. So, but here he may makes be, some sense. Be mind blown and then taken away to be aged. This is this is around the point in the movie, by the way, where somebody says, speaking of tropes that we are going to see a lot and have seen a lot. Literally, they say to Sean Connery, "You are the one." The Liberator. <laughs> yep. yep. Yep, Stephen turned to me. I'm like, yep, it's the Matrix. It is I the Matrix. And, and then she gives him a leaf. <laughs> That's right. That leaf will help you. So why did that he go blind? That leaf will help you at an unknown why, time in the future. Why, this leaf will help you. Why did he go blind? Well, she messed up his head, man. Yeah, it was it was the so mind blitz. He was able to resist her to a certain extent, but, ah, but he was blinded in the process. I see. And then for some reason, instead of immediately kill, killing him, they allow the lady to take him off to the hydroponic bubble yes. to, to heal get his blindness drops. and give him a magic leaf. It makes perfect sense, Glenn. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I <laughs> Steve, hear you. you should be recapping this. That, 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 was, that was perfect. That was well I done. watched it twice, and it actually made some sense on the second viewing, which oh, I no. think is oh, probably man. a big problem. This is a bad sign. You want to take us the rest of the way? Oh, you, no. Okay. No, no. I didn't, you just jump in. All right. I prefer to interrupt you, Jason. Okay. <laughs> the world was dying. We took what was good and put it in a plastic tent. <laughs> 
which is which is fascinating too. So he, he has this freak out in the plastic tent, and, and and they all pile on, and he's in the plastic. And there's a moment where the people are like, "Okay, it's okay. He's in the plastic now. He can't get out of the plastic." It's and he rips open the plastic. And they're like, "It can't be done. You could you can't rip the plastic bag." If you had used Saran wrap, oh my god, that, well, that's that just how laugh. evolved he is. He can hefty, burst through hefty, plastic. Hefty. He's got mutant plastic ripping pla- powers. This guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, there's a there's a weird scene where he so now he's on the run and he goes up to the shield and he's pushing against the shield and he he does like the hand signal to his guys on the outside mm-hmm. and you're like oh he's got a plan this is all part of the plan they set the building on fire to smoke him out that doesn't really work um, there's, there's there's a bunch of chases I like the scene where the horses are running along the side of the hill and so he just like skids on his butt down the down the angle of the hill to get in front of them I thought that was funny and I wondered how many takes they had to do where his diaper kept coming off yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting Ouch. paid enough for this. So he's on the run. The apathetics come to him. Um, it turns out his, I don't know, sweat makes yeah. them come awake. Mm-hmm. And then they mm-hmm. all start kissing each other because life flows out of you and into us, <laughs> as they say. Yeah, what's interesting here is that the, the, the dropouts have tuned in and turned on at that point. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a turnabout, huh? That was when Steven tweeted that uh, Zardoz is the uh, softcore porn parody of itself. <laughs> yep. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, I thought it would, that was a bizarre scene where they're all just like, I touched your sweat and now I'm awake and now I will touch my hand with your sweat on it to them and we will all, yeah, that was, I was wondering where that scene was going. Zed, Zed is kind of like that psychotropic frog. Yeah, there's a great moment when that's going on, though, where they're passing around his sweat, and we, we get a close-up on Zed's face, and the look on his face is <laughs> priceless. He's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> that was actually Connery on the set. That wasn't part forget, of the... Forget it, Zed. It's apathetics. What are gonna... I did appreciate that they showed... That they showed, you know, women kissing women, men kissing men. I noticed that too. That sweat. Yep, so at yep, least it yep. was egalitarian. So this is the climax of the movie, I guess. The old people and the apathetics are 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 out and about. They're all killing people and having sex. Sean Connery is dressed up like a uh, like a like a, a bride with a veil. Because yeah, what was that? <laughs> a very clever little disguise of his. No one will figure out who I am. <laughs> Um, there, there is the, so I'm just, uh, again, just stop me whenever I, the line I wrote down here was, <laughs> we will touch teach you and you will give us your seed. Okay. So he, basically what's happening is they have sex with him while they teach him math. And that goes on for a long time because there's a lot of math. There's a lot of poetry. All right, so there's some explanation for why this is happening. Cause it's through osmosis, Steve. They're learning through osmosis. But, but we have to explain why this is all going on, which is that, is, is that May, the scientist, still believes that they could uh, not destroy the vortex and that with his, uh, his enlightened genes, they could build a better breed. With better society, yes. Him, right. And so the idea is to continue on to whatever's next for humanity by... Uh, they're going to give him all their knowledge and they're giving him knowledge and he's going to impregnate them all. Seed, yeah. Yeah, yes. they're basically. There's this bit in there that I thought was telling uh, to take it seriously for one second. Is that they're like, <laughs> it turned out we were two imperfect vessels. Like we weren't strong enough because we're all androgynous or women or whatever. It was like this little, I think a sexist or some kind of throwaway, which is like we were so weak. But you were a virile man. You can take all this knowledge that yeah. we have, and we don't have it. You got all that chest hair. Yeah. Uh, I'll also point out that I like the projection. Apparently, you learn by having things projected on naked bodies. I know that worked for me in school. I <laughs> really like that sequence, by the way, with the great works of art and the equations being projected on the mm-hmm. people. I actually thought that was pretty solid. Insane, 
but solid. It's the, it's the best 2001 scene in this movie of the many 2001 scenes in this movie. I, I thought it was, I thought it was weird and interesting. Yeah, it goes on about twice as long as it needs to. Oh my god, absolutely true. Oh, yeah. Yes. So the touch teach him. He gives them their seed. It seems like a fair trade. Uh, and then, and then my notes redu- are reduced to things like phrases like "kill the tabernacle," <laughs> and they burst into the building. And Consuela comes in, and she's going to stab him, but she can't bear to, or he uses his mind powers to stop her. Oh, just like they did with him when he had the gun earlier. And uh, and this leads up to a nice moment where, while talking to Tabernacle, the computer that controls everything, um, which gave me a real um, for Har- Harlan Ellison people out there, a little uh, "I have no mouth and I'm a scream" kind of vibe I yeah. got at this point mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. And a little bit of Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just seemed the the darkness of it. It's like the computer in the center is sort of like I've got my little people who live in my plastic bubble, and I'm going to control them and do what they want. And and Sean Connery looks at him and says, "I think you're a crystal." <laughs> <laughs> you got more of a Kirk vibe here, uh, where he's going ah. to destroy oh. the computer in charge of paradise yeah. to save everyone. Sean Connery thinks that your your society is stupid and needs to be destroyed. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> Can we get the flashback yes. here that uh, about how the tabernacle was created. And that sort of like brief scene that seems like it's from a totally different movie in which the guy who creates the society explains what's going where, on. Where they the dissolve the, from the old people to when they were not old people and the, and the, the new generation is right. young and all teenagers. Like, yeah. yeah, I wanted to see that movie. <laughs> that was a totally different like set and seeming – you know, of course – and this is uh, M. Night Sh- uh, Shyamalan. What's the movie with the, uh, the village, right? Isn't that part of the mm-hmm. plot? The something village. like this? Yeah, the the twist no is that it. it's it's <gasps> right. spoilers. Spoilers for oh, the village. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That movie's only twelve years old. <laughs> we also learn at this point that uh, this vortex is actually a spaceship. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah a, an, another dead end. And he says, friend. "Oh yeah, we flew it around, but there, you know, it was just another dead end." <laughs> yeah. What like, was the point like, of that? It was so. It's confusing. another dead end. <laughs> I guess I guess it was quite literally. <laughs> Did we get the part here too? I've lost complete track of the plot where the crystals well, are embedded in the foreheads and the yeah. laser light. I've lost track of what's going on. This was the point in the movie where I just sort of gave up on holding to onto any threads and trying to follow them. It just I was just like, okay, there are crystals. He's holding a crystal. There's crystals in people's foreheads. He's yeah. inside a crystal. Now there's four of him. Whatever. It just. Yeah, that this is where I just ended up writing down weird hall of mirrors. Yeah. This is <laughs> This is this is the part of the movie that makes no sense. Honestly, on my second viewing, I could make I could make some sense of the first hour and 15. I could make sense of the last maybe 10 minutes, and then this whole segment is just, you know, why even try? Yeah. yeah. They also have so many things that don't really uh, seem to go anywhere. He's just like adding more scenes in here because there's the whole thing with the uh, spherical crystal thing that yeah. he's handed by Arthur mm. Frayne, who's been reconstituted with his like riddling explanation. And he just stabs appears. him with the fake knife. I hated that. Yeah. And then <laughs> well, I kind of like that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a trickster, man. It, yeah. it, felt, it felt very. Um, this is a weird. Uh, parallel to make but uh rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead the, oh, at that point he mm-hmm. was the um the uh oh i forget the name of the character the one who was in rosencrantz and G- or gildenstern the, the player the, the yeah, he the was player. he was that's, the one yeah who, he was, yeah who was who oh. was just sort of exp- like to to be the arch explainer and oh. and to sort of undercut everything while telling you the truth at the same time oh yeah it's a 
Richard Dreyfus from the movie of you, you can have, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. <laughs> you can have blood and comedy and... But blood is compulsory. Right after the Hall of Mirrors, we get a great, another classic Zardoz line, which is, stay close to me, inside my inside aura. My aura. Yes. <laughs> <In> my aura. <laughs> which is apparently like six people long. It's just, just like spread out behind He's him. got a huge aura. It's just uh, yeah, Some people have longer auras He's than others. He's a manly man. He's got a large aura. See, the problem with the, the Eternals is they couldn't get up a good aura. Whereas he right. has that ability. No, he's virile. He he exudes an aura. You yeah, can smell it. Aura on him. <laughs> oh, you can smell it. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yes, his his newfound aura is capable of rewinding the movie. Of if you winding minutes, so back he can leave time, takes longer than yeah. it seems. I don't know. They're just not in here anymore, and they're outside. They're like, hee hee. We just stay close to me. We're gonna go backward in time, and they escape. What the hell? I mean, it's no dumber than the rest of the last thirty minutes. <laughs> and then suddenly, the Stonehead appears and just crashes because, like, they're like, hey, remember the Stonehead? There it is. Well, and he then, destroyed the vortex. Yeah, now, the vortex. Now the Stonehead can't float. Nope. Obviously, so it goes down. Boom. Yeah, it really. You think it should have like exploded just really violently with no, all the ammunition clunk. and stuff that was inside? Well, the camera does zoom in and out very quickly. To yes. indicate the... Oh, uh, oh well, and, good and enough. Then, and then it shakes while they're they shake, all standing yeah. in the room. There's a really lackluster Star Trek uh, bridge shake moment <laughs> yep. in this where they're like, yeah, I suppose there's an explosion, so we should shake a little <laughs> half-heartedly. It's just the lens, though. The people stand in place. Yeah. <laughs> Another great line, Zed, liberate me now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, but then, oh, but yeah. he, can't, he can't shoot her. I can't do it because he's... More advanced now, or something. He's been had his He's touch evolved. taught. He has. He's learned karate. He's, He's learned put on karate. a shirt, and he can't do it anymore. But his all that I am is gone, or something. He, yeah. So his his buddies in the Zardoz mask, though, they're still just killers. So yeah. they come in and they kill everybody. They too much acclaim. Too much. And they, and the immortals just want to die. This scene was pretty much like the Sam Peckinpah parody from Monty Python. From Monty Python, yep. yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. They just too. lack the piano player's hands being cut off. I think it's hilarious though, because they're all crawling around, going, "Kill me too! I want to yeah. die! No, don't shoot him first! Shoot me!" My my notes here are: the string ensemble is a nice touch. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. Except yeah, the music is playing, and they're playing, and as they kill them, the music doesn't stop. The music keeps playing, the soundtrack music, and mm. I didn't like that. I wanted it to be like, now there's only two of them playing. <laughs> now there's only one of them playing. Now there's no more music, but that didn't happen. I think it's interesting that as they're all dying, they, they're all shouting, Zed! Zed! Much as they once shouted Zardoz in the Outlands. Mm-hmm. Well, Zed is the last thing you say. It's the last letter of the alphabet. Well, he's their god now. Oh. He's got the Zs for it. Or uh, well, at least one of them. Well, he's, he said earlier, Zed for Zardoz when he introduces mm. himself. So. True. Which made me wonder what the rest of them are named. Is it like everyone else is, is like... Todd and, and, and Jeff, and he's like the only one who. Like, it could be. Maybe he, didn't, maybe he didn't mean it that way. Maybe he meant it like, hello, I'm Zed for Zardoz. Have you considered bringing Zardoz into your life? <laughs> Have you heard Zardoz, the good news about the giant stone head that vomits out ammo? Zardozology. That's right. Yeah, I've got a pamphlet. We'll be coming to your door. We'll either shoot you or give you the pamphlet. No, it's called diaperetics. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I hurt. Zardozology. <laughs> 
So the gas, uh, you monsters, you blew up the gas balloons that bl- were you near the banner house. No. So we, we missed the uh, we missed the bit where they're walking with Arthur Fran and he explains his diabolical plan to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> to destroy the vortex. That's true. Which we've sort of calculated out by now. But this is the th- this is the moment where he explains that this and 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 uh, that he has the plan to Sean Connery. And Sean Connery says because he says he says oh and the, you know I manipulated you to do all these things and Sean Connery says yeah I talked to the guy who manipulated you into doing all those things <laughs> yes. so ha and my note at that point was oh really when did that happen exactly because I don't think I was here for that <laughs> well that was the tabernacle is is how I read that is but that... no the tabernacle didn't direct or did it direct frame to no, or I did it so. I, I think I think there's something that they forgot to put in the <laughs> yeah, maybe it didn't I, uh, I don't know that. oh well it's the guy the old the guy who founded the colony isn't that what he talked to him was, uh-huh. was there some kind of moment when he hands him the crystal we're supposed to understand so the old guy explains that uh, that that nature is who rebelled against the vortex because oh. the vortex is an abomination against nature mm. and he, he announces we force the hand of evolution so I guess really it's the forces of nature and evolution but as to when Zed had this discussion with nature or evolution, I missed that part entirely. Or the tabernacle. He was high. Well, and it's not, he doesn't say a discussion. He says, I looked into the mind of whoever it was. Uh, it's the tabernacle. Wow. Yeah. tabernacle. You were taking notes at this point, Erica? I'm impressed. I just remember dialogue. I, don't, I, don't, uh, I didn't write anything down for this one. Oh. Maybe that was when everyone was voguing in all the mirrors and Consuela was just sort of well, like rocketing back and forth. And... Consuela. Believe me, I don't want to remember the dialogue from this film. I'd like to scrub it out somehow. Stay close to me inside my aura. <laughs> Everybody flees out into the outland. Presumably, some of them are yes. burying the children of Zed, and uh, his his uh, uh, his g- mutant genes will live on and create a new society that will be stronger. But he can't go there. Instead, he and Consuela go into a cave. Or I guess it's the cave in the Stone Head. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. go to the Stone Head. Yeah. Oh, that's it. It really. Yeah, they go running off. You can see part of the head, and they run yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're in the st- they're living in the stone head. That would be a sitcom, right? And they, they put on and they put on some clothes, the, some different yes. like grown up clothes, and 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 she has the baby. And then we have another great two thousand one esque scene where they sit there. It's also very much like uh, it, it's the end of Ice Pirates. Where well, it's just, just like this Volkswagen age. ad I saw earlier today. Yeah, and it's in the uh, Chris Elliott show Get a Life had an episode yeah. that ended ended like this where people are sitting on a bench turning into skeletons and that's what happens they they get older and their son grows up and he and then they hug him goodbye and he leaves and then they get even older and then they turn into skeletons and then they're like a mound of bones and then they're dust and that's the, the dust end. part i didn't expect the dust i'm like skeletons okay and then they totally decompose and i thought okay that's that takes and then it. we zoom in on some paintings of hands that we've yes, never, yeah, seen, never before seen before and have no context for yeah, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, and a a rusty gun. They were hold. Did they die holding hands? Did one yeah. of them die hold? And then the other one, when they knew they were about to die, they held their hand, and then they die, or or did they die because they were in a time vortex or something? They just spent their whole lives sitting there, for sitting the rest there holding of the hands. Okay, yeah. yeah. They'd seen it all at that Good point. Good answer. That Might makes as, well as much sense it. as anything else in this movie. So. It was a great end. Then it's the end of the movie. I'm looking at the time s- t- stamp on the movie, and I'm like, and then it's like, and then dust, and then kabloom. Yeah. Yep. You're like, all right. That was, that <laughs> Zardoz will out. return and never say Zardoz again. <laughs> <laughs> no time for end credits. That's Zardoz. Well, that was Zardoz. I liked it. So what did everybody think? Yeah, okay, Steve, tell, tell, tell me. <laughs> oh, didn't I already tell you throughout yeah. the last hour or so? <laughs> I think it's insane, and I think that it's got a lot of things individually that are clever and could have made a good movie. 
I think it's for all its insanity, there's enough there that you sit around for a little while and you think about it and you try and work out how it works. You fail, but you try. You tr- well, I, eventually, I think you you pick up on some little threads here right. and there. The problem is there's there's he, he's just trying to cram too much in, and if he had maybe stuck to one of those threads and explored it a little bit, it would have worked as a movie better. Uh, as it was, you know, he's just he's he's throwing everything possible sci-fi at the wall and not even not even hanging around to see what sticks. And so, I mean, it, it is a glorious mess. Uh, and I think a well-made mess, given the budget and given given that it is a mess. And uh, and I'm not sure I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> but I'm glad I did. And uh, and I enjoyed the second viewing, which I. I was fairly sure after watching the first one and being completely nonplussed that uh, when I went back to it, I would go, yeah, it turns out this was shit. But <laughs> I, I actually liked it better after the second viewing. And uh, and who knows? Maybe I'll give it another go at some point and like it even more. I can't believe I I didn't even mention the woman with the Princess Leia hair, hairdo. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like pre, pre, preceding uh, Star Wars by only a few years, she had the exact same hairdo. There's a lot of kooky hairdo stuff going on yeah. here. And potatoes. I mean, when you don't have any money for any actual props or mm. sets. What did uh, what did everybody else what's the what's the final final judgments here, uh, so to speak? David Lore, what what do you what do you think? <laughs> yeah. I, the, he wants other, to say he sort of likes it, but he's afraid. I, I sort of like some of the ideas and themes that are there and just wish he had been sober, you know? Um <laughs> I mean the other the other line from Roger Ebert that I loved. He actually starts the, the the review with this, and and I just hear Roger Ebert's voice and inflection and everything. It's just John Borman Zardoz is a genuinely quirky movie. Like, uh, you could say that for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with my son with you know shooting the cameraman and ending right there. <laughs> Fair enough, Erica. What do you think? Well, you know, I, it was interesting hearing Helene talk about seeing this as as, as a younger person because I I think if I had seen it when I was much much younger, I could I could maybe see myself buying into this and getting into the weirdness and just I mean the like I said the idea it's a, it's an old trope and it's been done a million times but if I had caught it before I had read all of the golden age and, and, and new wave sci fi that I've read between then and now um, maybe I would have liked it because I wouldn't have seen it done better in other ways um but i just i can't get past i can't get past the the tiredness of that idea and and i guess i I don't always mind it sometimes i enjoy it but when it's it's something like this where it's just the the big dude bro manly man hunk figure (laughs) who is who is coming in to save the day and show everyone the error of their ways it just it gets on my nerves and they didn't i feel like they were trying to show that sean connery's character evolved throughout this and became a you know different character he can't shoot the gun at the end but we don't get anything in between showing that this is happening Maybe if he had showed any inner life at all through the movie, but he's just, he is completely flat. There is no affect in his performance whatsoever. So I didn't buy that. So it just, it it ended up, despite, you know, some interesting sets and, and, and I didn't have to watch it a second time to feel that the plot kind of hung together. I mean, it made sense to me. It was a story, like I, I feel like I almost cheated because I'd read the same story plenty of times before. So I kind of understood what they were, what they were going for. It just, 
it was it was built on a framework that was that was bound to lose for me. I, I think pretty much his inner inner life in the whole movie is I'm getting a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and his story arc is like an outline, which is that basically things are done to him that supposedly advance him as a person, but it's just things that are done to him. That the yeah. you know the the mm-hmm. he's shown books, and then later he has his touch learning, whatever, and all those things happen. But it's he's yeah, just I mean, he's he's passive. For, yeah. for almost the entire thing. Oh, yeah. so you're saying he's a vessel of other people's ambitions? Mm. Interesting. Stop that! I think Stop the that. <laughs> I think the worst part, too, was the fact that, the, you know, the title and, and a good chunk of the idea of this movie was taken from The Wizard of Oz, something which I love and adore deeply, and I feel like it's been soiled. Oh. <laughs> you're never, you're, you're never going to forget now that you can't spell Zardoz without The Wizard of Oz. I, I would like to. Maybe I need to take some drugs so I can forget mm. that. Joe, uh, Joe, what's your verdict on this one? Uh, I'm on, I'm on team Erica still firmly. Um, (laughs) nothing has really swayed that, but, uh, you know, I I can, I can get on board with, uh, maybe there's the ambition to do things, but I feel like it's the ambition that, um, a college fine arts student has, uh, and he doesn't (laughs) follow through on the ambition. So I, I can't give him like any, any points for the effort that he, that he's trying to show here. Um, and I, I don't enjoy his movie. In fairness, he's probably just as doped up as your average college fine arts student, so it makes some sense. <laughs> probably. Yeah, if not more so. In yeah. fact, I have to suggest more so. Yeah, compare this to THX 1138. Yeah, I mean, there, there are lots of totally bizarre 70s yeah. movies. This, this is one of them. Helene, what, what is your, uh, what's your final verdict on this one? Oh, gosh. I think if, if I had only seen the first half of this movie, I would have been much more for it. But the way it's so thoroughly falls apart and becomes less than a sum of its parts by the end of it just it was was really disappointing to me that that you know what what i took away from it was this sort of weird mystical defense of some really bad philosophy and completely awful sexual politics and it's all i, I and that disappointed me in a way that I was not expecting at all. I was expecting to be sort of like, ha, 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 look at the awful 70s movie. And some of it did that in a way that was much more adorable than I thought it was going to be, which made it feel, which made me feel even more like depressed when by the end I was like, well, I've just given up completely. <laughs> there so, is potential there, though. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what makes me sort of upset is is that... There, I don't know. Some there were some bits in here that were like really, really intriguing and awesome. Even you know, and um, some of it was just some of the visual stuff was was really interesting to me. But in the end, it's like, yeah, I'm 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 with Erica. I'm with like most of you, I guess. <laughs> Stay inside my aura, you. Guys. <laughs> oh, I didn't think oh, I was- no. <laughs> see? see how it gets you. No, I can't believe I just did that. (laughs) You zardozed. You did it. All right, Glenn, explain explain yourself. Well, now it's time for me to reveal my terrible plan. Uh, Well, you know, I've been avoiding watching this movie for years because it looked so, so awful. And I'd heard it was terrible. So I thought, well, this is one of these things I'm never going to watch. But I liked Highlander. And I watched that a million times in high school, possibly under the influence on... uh, 
recreational vehicles or uh, <laughs> you were on an ATV while watching vehicles it. for the you mind. Winnebago's. Well, yeah. you know, they say a computer is a bicycle for the mind. Then there you go. Uh, so, uh, uh, and you know, I liked a lot of movies that were from this era uh, and some were more or less ambitious. So I went into this thinking like, Oh God, am I getting, you know, so I turned the thing on and I thought this is so much more fascinating and intriguing than I thought. I expected it to be unwatchable and ridiculous. And instead, I kept being intrigued by ideas. And I sort of hated myself for it, too. But I watched it. It was interesting. It was laughing. And there are times I'm thinking, I'm laughing with him here. He wants me to have this feeling. Other times I'm like, he's off his rocker. The thing I think that decides it for me, why I would say I, I'm glad I saw the film. I can't say I, I mean, I sort of, I liked it in its awfulness. It's like a, you know, it's, uh, is that there's no repercussion for violence, right? So Clockwork Orange, it has the advantage of being written by a brilliant novelist, right? And the adaptation is by Stanley Kubrick. So it's also an amazing film, right? Clockwork Orange is about the nature of violence. And it's about somebody in the society and that role of like how society's changed to become corrupt and so forth and how society tries to structure, kind of take the perfect monster and whatever. So there's a repercussion. And at the end, we're all complicit in the violence that act Alex commits, right? We're all in it at the end of the film. We're in that trench as he's committing an act of violence against a woman. It's terrible. And everyone's applauding at the top, right? Like that is a real thing. Sardis doesn't have that moment. And because it doesn't, I think it, you know, falls for that reason, that that it is then it is just a plot mechanism and the violence moves it along. And so there are interesting aspects of it, but I think I think I have come to a conclusion after listening to everyone. I think I have achieved level two consciousness. <laughs> I will not go to level two with you. <laughs> Jazz I will not go. Well, so my verdict is it's it's a better uh, crazy romp than I thought, but the degree of sort of like rape and murder and violence and the extolling of a character who doesn't seem to have any mm. redeeming traits or character motivation or or uh, inner life makes it um, you know kind of a bad movie from that standpoint. It's hard to recommend it for its camp, but it is pretty interesting. Yeah, and I I would say um, I'm not quite sure I would call it a bad movie. It is a really weird movie, and it's not certainly not a good movie. I would probably watch it. I would it's probably not a good movie. No, but I probably right. watch it. We're again. running out of categories here, Jason. Yeah, well, no, it's 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 well. So, uh, is it spookily good? It's it's spooky good bad. No, it's it's um. <laughs> it does not fit cleanly into any given. No, game. I find no. I find it a very no, strange film. Um, I like parts of it. Like like I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by the, how it looks. Um, I, I, I feel like there was something that could have been good here, but in the end, it's just weird. And when we, you know, we, we can joke about things like it looks like an art student's project, but it really does feel like that. It feels like somebody had a bunch of images and wacky ideas and they basically at some point said, let's just throw all this crap up there and, uh, maybe it'll all work. And it doesn't love it. And it does Remember fifth, (laughs) fifth element, fifth element is sort of that way. It's a silly film and it's kind of what was it? Luke, uh, I forgot. Luke Brisson. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. I, so if I remember the story right, like he thought this up in high school. He had this mm-hmm. idea, and then he got became a famous enough filmmaker to make a ridiculous film. Right. So the movie reads like something out of a high school kid's notebook because yeah. it and literally so this has is. a little bit of yeah. that feel to it. It's like, hey, here's a bunch of money. Ah, this thing has been running around in my head since I was pre-pubescent or just post-pubescent. I was, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I was drawing that floating stone head on my all what? my peachy folders <laughs> for years. <laughs> Now I can make it happen. They threw me out of school for saying the penis is evil. Now I'll show them. <laughs> now I'll show them all. <laughs> all right, we've reached the end of this edition of the Incomparables Rocket Surgery, dealing with the seventies and Zardoz. I would like to thank my guests for uh, watching Zardoz because you didn't have to do it, and I'm appreciating that you did. Uh, David Lore, thank you for being here. Oh, as always, thank you for having. 
Um, Erica Ensign, thank you so much for joining us. Well, uh, thank you. Now I have to go pay my spouse the $4 rental fee for this. <laughs> yeah. Make Glenn do it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll square cash you some money. Joe Steele, you are the one, the liberator. Uh, it's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, I, I, I think I'd rather be an apathetic. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me you think, You're not sure, though. No, uh, eh, waff, waffling on that. All right. whatever, whatever works is fine. Fair enough. Uh, Glenn Fleischman, thank you for your, your uh, enthusiasm about Zardoz. I'll just say the tabernacle made me do it. <laughs> Steve Lutz, did I thank you already? I don't think you did, Jason. Well, but no I do thanks need to, say... to you then. No, no. Thank okay. you, Steve. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome, Jason. And I, I would like to add, I hate you all. I hate you all. I hate you all. Especially me. <laughs> just for that, you're five years younger. <laughs> and Helene Wecker, thank you so much for being on. We'll have to have you back sometime. And I, I'm sorry that your first hazing was uh, Zardoz. Oh, <laughs> I, I was thrilled to be on, and I'm, I would be thrilled to be back. And I would even watch Zardoz again to come nice. back on wow. this show. That oh. is, that is a commitment. But please don't make me do it. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And to everybody out there, thanks for listening. Until next time, stay close to me, stay inside my aura. Life flows out of me <laughs> and into you, or something like that. We'll see you. Next time. Zardoz! 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 Zardoz!